Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. We previously interviewed Becky Eberly about her selling her business back on episode 122. And today, we are really excited to interview the person who bought her business, JP Annunciation, immigrated from the Philippines in 2006. And after climbing the corporate ladder, he needed a change and he found his love and passion for pet care. JP purchased the business and dove headlong, learning everything that he could to be a better leader and to grow the business. Let's get started. Well, first and foremost, yes, Colin, it's it's such an honor to be on on your show, and just want to say hi to all the listeners and and uh, being just be here is is just a great honor, and, and I'm very excited to be here. And uh, that's a great first question to ask, by the way. Um, you know, as as you most of the listeners know, uh, being a pet sitter is not easy, but more so being an outsider buying a business into this great industry is is also something that's that's kind of hard i guess you know just to in- introduce myself i i am from the philippines i was born and raised in the philippines so that kind of add more maybe calling to the question is like well how does that work <laughs> so <laughs> uh but yeah i i i came to this country uh 2007ish and you know, I, I, I just like any other uh, foreigner who dreams to be in America wants, wants to be in, to live that American dream, which fast forward today, I'm very blessed and be leaving that, leaving that dream that we have right now. But just to let everybody know, it was, it was hard. It wasn't an easy, easy journey for me. I, my background was mainly the business process outsourcing, the BPO which what I did was I was uh, involving a lot of the call center stuff, customer service, uh, telemarketing, sales, and that whole nine yards. Uh, I came to this country as, as one of those uh, call center guru, gurus that was hired from the Philippines to be here. And I was very blessed to climb up that corporate world at a very young age and to be involved in and just building, developing, training, hiring, recruiting, everything that's involved in, in call centers. And, and call centers was very big outsourcing in, in, in the Philippines, where I was from. And that's kind of where my background is. And, and I did that for about 15 years. And it reached a point where there was just a focal point in my career that I've I've owned a call center in the Philippines, and I owned a a call a small call center in South Florida, where I was from, and uh, or where I moved from uh, three years ago. Um, and what this the decision was really really huge focal point in my life. Um, I guess to to summarize everything, it reached a point a little bit where I knew that I was already having a a bad relationship with with my my previous business partner. I don't want to get too much detail into that, but that was really the, the big decision maker was I was stressing myself where I'm not, I'm no longer happy with, with the industry that I've loved and developed and learned to love. And, um, I was, I was trying to make a decision where, what should I do? Uh, and it was, it was a point that I could no longer sleep. I could, I could no longer move forward and I was losing weight. and. Uh, 
The first thing I've I've done was uh, I told my wife I I want a puppy I want a dog so <laughs> it it kind of started there I I true enough I got a puppy and uh, and then I I started walking this puppy every day and and I see a lot of people uh, walking in the community and 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 seeing in America how you guys love pets and how passionate people are here in America especially I keep saying here in America just so you know that. Culturally speaking, in the Philippines, pets are very different. You know, they're, they're, I hate to say it, sometimes they're just locked up in, in a kennel outside the house. They're not, you guys here in America, here, the pets live such a great life that sometimes I wish I was their pet, you know, trying to say so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I saw that opportunity and I said, you know what? I told my wife, I'm, I'm in a, I'm going to cross that, that bridge. I'm, I'm time for me to move on. And I wanted, I wanted to uh, make that giant leap of faith. I'm ready. I, it wasn't as easy as saying I'm ready. It took a while, maybe a couple of years for me to have that decision. But I guess, Colin, when your back is against the wall and you have your wise and you realize that your wise in your life, is no longer in line to what you do every day as 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 your job or your, your source of living, um, then that would make you decide that you get to jump into something else. And and true enough to true research and a lot, I mean a lot of research, I I happened to just land into something that was a match made in heaven. Uh, you have interviewed the previous owner of Dog Days and Catnaps, Becky Eberly. Um, she was, she was an angel sent from above. I was just very fortunate that after looking at several pet businesses, I found the right one and we met and her wise in selling the business kind of, kind of matched to my wise and why I wanted to buy the business. I love hearing that process of, of really refinding, refinding your why after 15 years in customer service and call centers trying to refocus and almost it sounds like almost had to rediscover who you were and what you wanted out of out of your job out of your life uh, moving forward and that this move into pet care into buying this business was a way to get things in realignment for you um so that you could you know just just basic things like just sleep at night and and have more peace in your life you you nailed it, Colin. You nailed it. That that was actually everything that you just said kind of gave me a goosebump. It kind of reminds me of of my situation where I was, um, where I could no longer sleep at night, where 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 the money that you're bringing in, you realize is not making you happy. And and I mm. think most of the listeners would agree that uh, a lot of people have left the corporate world and started the the pet sitting business and they realized that there's so much to just being having that that income the salary that you get versus to what you're doing right now and and just have that true calling and passion and taking care of pets sometimes hey you know what it might not give you the same income in corporate world but you would find somewhat that happiness that you can't find somewhere else and so you're making this transition, JP, into pet care, and you decided to to buy an existing business. What was the decision Correct. between buying versus starting one on your own from from zero? 
That is a very good question. You know what? Um, before I even found Becky and Dog Days and Catnaps, I was research, researching on how to start a pet sitting business. And you would find a lot of the pet sitter, sitters and the owners of, of such businesses are, are very kind people. When I say that, when I reach out to others in my area that already are doing it as a company, there were, they were willing to sit down with me and educate me. And they were sharing me to me what they have done and what they do. You know, they started giving me and pointing me to the right directions like PSI or NAPS. And I start researching about what PSI does and NAPS does. And, and I've learned a lot. And to be honest with you, I even signed up with Rover. And I became a rover uh, pet sitter and just learning about your, your platform, your competition, should we say, got, got you into it. But, you know, I was, I was more into willing to start from scratch, but going back to why I was doing it in the first place got me into like... I was more of a, my situation, Colin, was different. It was quite unique. I, being a foreigner, I was in this country uh, with an executive visa. I was a non-immigrant. And I, I was being a non-immigrant with an executive visa. You have a petitioner. So my business partner was my petitioner. So my, my, my family's future was in the hands of somebody else. Mm. So my decision-making quite so complicated that if I decided to leave the, the company that I kind of supposedly own and work for, I would lose my ability to stay in your wonderful country. Mm. So hiring a very good immigration lawyer, I found out that, hey, if I could own a business, then I could be here in this country, which is would put me to be an investor, which is isn't easy. So anybody, anybody in America that is an American citizen could buy a business. Not all foreigners could buy a business. So that makes it more complicated in my situation. There's certain criteria that I need to qualify for, obviously. And number two, you're going to be in a microscope that the government has to approve you as the buyer and your sellers has to approve you, which makes it great. I was with Becky and say, hey, Becky, you know, the, the good thing about me buying your business, the government has to say yes first before I could even buy your business. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they already did the scrutiny for you. So, right. <laughs> but, but you know what? Just looking outside and, and looking back, I think, I think if there is a business out there that is really established, the value really is a lot of customers and a lot of people take into consideration the tenureship of how long your company has been in business. Mm. So a lot of times when I say that we've been in business since 2000, not to take all the credit there, Becky was running this business for 16 years. Yeah. I only came in on the 17th year, but, you know, I got, you know, I got the opportunity to double the size of the company when I bought the business. 
I was blessed enough to be able to use my background in my previous industry, apply it to this new industry that I'm jumping in. And I was fortunate enough to, to tell Becky, Becky, I did you justice by buying this business because in the span of just two years, from 35 pet sitters, and that's what I that's what I bought. I bought the asset of the company and the team and the existing customers. But but two years moving forward in 2019, our biggest year, we were down, we were up to 70 pet sitters at some point, and we doubled the size of, of the company revenue-wise. We were making and doubling the the amount of 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 bookings that we had. So that was that was great. And again, looking back, saying that should I start it or buy? I guess it's just a matter of time. Um, if you're starting from scratch, you got to be more patient. You got to be more willing to put more legwork and. And that's what I bought the business for because Becky did such a great job in 16 years to build up. And I was just there to basically materialize on what she built for 16 years. Well, first off, I have to say um, I, I've learned more about immigration law and that process uh, talking with you these last couple of minutes than I have probably from anything I've read or <laughs> been involved with before. So um. it's 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 not easy. It's not easy, Colin. So a lot of a lot of people take that for granted, and I yeah, and I and I shared uh, I shared this story to a lot of people, pet sitters or not that. Sometimes, especially what's going on with this country right now, right? Like last week, all the all the chaos that's going on politically is just disturbing, right? You know, and and at the end of the day, people just have to realize that that a lot of people take it for granted that being an American is such a privilege. It's not just a right, you know. So I don't get to enjoy that privilege yet. I hope one day, and I pray and work so hard to be. But a lot of people don't realize that, that you wake up every morning to enjoy that freedom and enjoy that privilege to call yourself an American. People like me don't get to enjoy that every day. And it's a, it's a reminder of when you talked about your whys, we all, we all have that. And, and to know that that was a major deciding factor in this moving forward and buying this business because you saw it. As that that was a part of that puzzle that you were putting together, and then it also sounds Correct. like you were able to see the company and and it meshed well with the strengths and your background that you had and Correct. all the experience from the customer service the operation the the business process side of things. Correct, absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, owning a pet sitting company and 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 running a customer service. And call centers are are very very similar. You get you get used to 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 understanding your customer, what they want, what they need. The only the only thing that uh, learning curve that I have to 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 learn, and that's why I moved up here in North Florida because I was in South Florida back then. Mm. I realized that I thought when I bought the business, you could be quote unquote an absentee owner, Colin. And and you think that buying a business could just run itself. One thing that you would learn from the get go is that you cannot do that. If you if you buy a business, you gotta get your hands dirty. You gotta get involved. 
and you got to learn it firsthand. You can't just, you know, you can't buy a business and expect it to just run by itself. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Chris Ann from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of Pet Sitter Confessional get 50% off their first three months when they sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. And in my conversation with Becky, you know, I was talking about a lot of the, like, how to outline the processes, get everything documented, get everything put in place. And now hearing you, it's going, I can read, I can, you know, I can understand things intellectually about the business and how it operates. But actually working the business is a whole other story and is part of that learning process when you come into and you go, go into a business. Correct. Absolutely. One thing that I could tell you is a few listeners listened to the previous podcast that Colin had with the previous owner. Uh, a lot of it involves with Becky doing a lot. She was more... Uh, detail oriented she had all the the procedures placed when i took over she had manuals in place for me she had everything like everything was so organized that that it didn't give me a hard time transitioning hmm. i think if you want to learn for for those of you if you want to be on the on the seller side if you're interested in selling your business i encourage you to listening to that but also for my interview today is to learn that it really it really is a great value if you have if you're buying a business and and the seller is so organized it makes the transitioning so easy becky was already scheduling a cruise ship uh cruise trip with the family that she deserves two weeks from the moment I bought the business. So I'm like, Becky, you're going to be out of the radar in two weeks. So I was like panicking. I'm like, how am I going to learn this? Am I going to be like, no, but you know what? Because she was so organized mm. that the transition was super duper easy. Um, and again, a lot of credit to her. Um, you know, I think, I think, one of the things that we did decide that I ask a favor from her though, Colin, is I ask her, would it be okay that you just introduce me to the team as the new marketing guy, like a new marketing manager? Hmm. Um, I think I made that decision mainly because I didn't want to, I guess for me, I didn't want to rattle everybody. I, I'm not the type of person that, hey, I'm the new boss. I'm the new guy, you know? I just don't think that's going to work. So I, I made an arrangement with her that the moment I bought the business, she emailed everybody and say, there's a new marketing guy that's going to come in. He's going to introduce himself. He's going to get involved in the marketing side. So that's how I kind of transitioned myself. I didn't, I, I know the couple of the managers that I took in one of, one of Matt, such a great guy. Um, he was the reservations guy back then with Becky. So 
I got him, talked to him, sat down, and exact same thing. I told him my why's and I told him why I'm buying the business and I offered him a full-time job. And he was the first guy that I brought in and said, you know what, I'm going to give you a full-time job. He was having a baby, their first baby at that time. So it kind of worked out. I told him the great news is you can work at your own pace anytime, work from home. And that kind of worked out. He knew that he was the only guy who knew who I am. And then I, I brought in and hired another reservations manager to take over his job so he could be there to help me run the business on a day-to-day. So both of them kind of knew who I was from the beginning, but the rest of the team didn't know who I was and that I was the new owner. And so why, why was that kind of transition to you so important? Because I feel like that transition can be held in many different ways. Like, you know, one where the new owner just waltzes in and go, well, I'm the boss, kind of like you mentioned, what you didn't want to do versus this Correct. slow introduction, Correct. this personal introduction that you had from Becky to everybody saying, hey, this is who's coming on board and, and getting that, that more one-on-one connection. So why did you decide to make that transition? with the employees like that? I think a lot of it is that I think, to be honest, on on a personal level, I I think I kind of felt insecure is if that's the term, because I'm not one of you guys yet. I'm not, I wasn't a pet sitter for 15 years. You know what I'm trying to say? So I don't want to be judged like an outsider a new owner outsider. I wanted to kind of train myself first. I want to be the pet sitter. I I started pet sitting from the moment I bought the business. I tried to study how it feels to be a pet sitter. What are the ins and outs? And and I want to learn the procedures of the company myself. So as a leader, you cannot just lead without being there. You can't just be that general that hides behind the desk. You know, you have to be courageous enough to be out there and do the job yourself. So I gave myself the time to learn it. So when I was ready and prepared, I was able to face my pet sitters and say, hey, you know what? I know how you feel because you can you cannot understand your team if you're not there doing the job yourself. Right. Which is something that many of us may miss. By but through this conversation of needing to gain that connection and being able to empathize with your sitters and being able to empathize with your employees of, of as you just said, I know what it's like. I know what those days are like, and and that that was part of that process. But I'm sure that that also showed the the employees that you were now leading of like a lot of a lot of humility and a lot of uh, ability to learn from others, not just coming in from on high and saying, this is the way it's going to be and blah, 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 blah. But like really taking that time to soak in everything and get to know not just the business, but the, but the people too. Correct. That is true. I think I was, I was also kind of concerned about pushbacks on, on the scale of things business-wise. I felt like it was a lot of risk to just from the get-go tell that, Hey, there was a transitioning business was on sale. I bought the business. People start leaving the company because they don't know this new guy. Um, You know, customers start leaving because there's a new owner. Uh, It kind of makes sense to me to just 
learn the business, be behind the curtain first, understand truly the business, understand what your people are going through. And then the next step that I did there was I started meeting the pet sitters one by one. And I guess that was one of the new, that was the new technique and new strategy that I could say I did kind of took over for Becky and changed a little bit because Becky was more into the virtual, you know, meet through FaceTime or Skype or whatnot. I kind of learned it from my call center business that let them come into your office and meet the person that who you are, understand what kind of quote unquote boss you are. And, and you would probably get a little bit more mileage out of them, if you know what I'm trying to say. So what I did is I started calling them and I asked I ask my managers and say, hey, who do you think are the top pet sitters? Can I start with them first? Because they were the key people in the business to begin with. So I started with them, start really not interviewing them. It was more of them interviewing me mm-hmm. and me telling them that who I am and I'm the new owner, by the way. and and kind of introducing myself face to face versus sending out a mass email that, hey, this is the new owner. So that kind of worked well, uh, so to speak. What kind of what other strengths do you feel like you were able to bring in from your experience in in call centers and running that business? From from what I know, call centers can be pretty brutal places, and the amount of attention to detail and customer service there is really really. High, and I know you dealt with a lot of the the business processes. So as you're as you're learning the business, as you're getting connected and you're getting uh, building these relationships with the pet sitters, what else are you bringing along with you from your previous fifteen years experience? I think I think most of it is is the basics. Like when I train new people to be on the phone, is I always tell them that. It's it's the irony of things. I'm teaching people that customer is always right. Customer is the king. Mm. But at the end of the day, I always tell them that customers are also the biggest liars. I hate <laughs> to say it, but, you know. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, again, it, it's just the nature of things, you know, because, which is true. I, I hate to say it, I'm a customer too. Sometimes, sometimes. People call you, not just call you, they would yell at you. They will sometimes, unfortunately, have to curse at you. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've learned just being on the phone, you could tell different cultures from where they are, you know, mm. by, by somebody calling in and always being in a hurry. I already know that they're from New York. <laughs> New Yorkers are like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I'm on the phone. Here's what I want. Give me what I want. Hang up the phone. And then you call somebody from Texas and this grandma start telling you what was, what was dinner for Thanksgiving a couple months ago, right? So there's, there's different kind of learnings and basics that you, you kind of get from, from the call center customer services, understanding who your customers are yeah. and how to handle them. You can't, you, can't, you can't handle all customers the same, right. um, you know, and, and you always have to take in and absorb the blow you know a lot of times in the pet sitting world not all pet sitting clients are the same you know some most i'm not going to say some most of them are the nicest people but some of them could be difficult at times you know but 
with with that specialty of how to handle customers, I guess that was the key. I I kind of knew how to kind of you know play my cards when it comes to different kinds of customers, and it's very very important. And in fact, Colin, the reason why I moved here in North Florida instead of being a remote owner is on a Friday night. In the first Friday night that I owned a business, I was waiting for my wife to come home from her work and call it a week, a day, a night, and bring my wife for a dinner date. Guess what? I was on the phone for two hours and trying to pacify a very angry customer. Oh, no. So, and, and I realized, and what I did is I told my wife, that was it. That was the focal point and say, we're going to move up in North Florida. I'm going to live where my customers are. I'm going to live where my pet sitters are. And what I did when I moved here is I met with that client face-to-face. I met with that client face-to-face. I took the humble pie of apologizing to that client face-to-face. And I told her that we're going to make things right with her. Mm. From a negative review in Yelp, to an updated, we didn't ask her to update it. Yeah. And in in a couple of months, we got the best review ever in Yelp, which is hard to get. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but that it's all about it. You gotta be, you gotta be there to. It's all about customer service, right? You know that, and 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 this pet sitting. I think that's what I've learned with you guys, with with the best pet sitters out there. I've learned that. It's all about that extra mile that you do for the pets and your clients, you know, um, picking up their mail from their mailbox. I'm like, what? I thought we were paid as a pet sitter. Why do you do that? Or, or, or taking their, their recycling bin to the curb or, or their trash to the curb. You know, this, this extra miles that you do for your clients at the end of the day, that's, that's customer service for you, you right. know, and, and that matters. So that what I did in a call center, put it in, but there's so much customer service that you can do, not just with, with customer service. It's just by plainly being there for your clients. And you've outlined your, how you made that transition with your employees. Did you have a similar approach or how did you approach making that transition with the clients, the existing client base that you had? I think that's a very good question. To be honest with you, I was, I couldn't, Plain honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't even remember how Becky introduced me to the clients. But, but can I be honest with you, Colin? I think I always believe us owning the company and being a, 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 a company owner for fifteen years prior to this. That not them trying to say that clients are not important. I think I always believe that without your people, your company is nothing. I'm not trying to say that I'm always going to be pro-employee. What I'm trying to say is that I think my strategy back then is that if I knew that I have the support of the team and the pet sitters, Mm. you will get the support of your clients. I didn't know that I wasn't too sure if we emailed everybody about me and introduced myself to people. Uh, We might have been later down the road, but... It was more of if I knew that your your team is on board, you have their loyalty, you have their support. It doesn't really matter if 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 who they own who the owner is at the end of the day, right? Because because your pet sitters they're the initial handshake for the company, not me. 
Mm. You know, the clients don't get to meet the owners. You know, they don't, you know, they don't get to choose who the company owners is, but they get to choose who their pet sitters are. So <laughs> that's kind of was more logical to me to know that as long as the team were on board, not that I don't care about who the client is. I just felt like it was more important just to get those pet sitters on board first. Right. And you talk about where you should be investing your, your, your energy. It's in your team, Correct. as you said, right? Like that's where the Correct. primary focus needs to be. The clients will be there. They're still going to get served because you are taking Correct. care of the pet sitter and knowing that there's still that, that connection. Cause I think, you know, sometimes we may feel like, Oh, anytime I make a transition in my business, or I'm yeah. part of a transition, you know, my clients are going to run away and there's going to be this big, big to do. But what you're Correct. saying is like, no, there's like focus on the basics, focus on the people in the company, make sure they're Correct. okay, that they're well cared for. And then the rest of that stuff is going to follow. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the company is obviously, um, logistically speaking, I bought the asset of buying the existing customers. But for me, the value, the asset value was more of the people that's already in the company, working with the company. Because right now, it's not that easy to hire this kind of people. For you to grow this big, um, it's, it's hard to hire good, trusted, and reliable pet sitters. So, um, you know, for me, that was more important. Again, I'm not trying to downplay or, or, or disrespect my clients. I'm just saying that, that the rest would follow if, if you knew that as an owner that you have to gain the trust and respect of your people first. Right. Now, in that transition, did you experience any sort of any pushback from, from employees or clients? I did. I did. I did. Um, it's not 100% all the time, uh, as we know. Like when, when you, when, when we were trying to push for this call earlier, when you're ready, there's some pushbacks, but, uh, um, but yeah, there, there was, um, I, I know that there was one pet sitter that was specifically not happy because she felt like, um, you know, it was more so with Becky that she was kind of upset with that. She said that Becky should have at least let them know, but no, at the end of the day, you know, uh, business owner, you have every right on how to run your business. And mm -hmm. and one thing that I could tell everyone that you have to put the fine line like wall to how you really want to run your business. Because at the end of the day, you want to run your business the way you want to run your business. You can't let others dictate on how to run your business. That's the time that you would see your yourself going downhill and spiral and and no longer happy with the business that you own is if you're more concerned on pet sitters telling you what to do, uh, customers telling you what to do. You know, you you, you got to put a little bit of, of of boundaries and lines to that. But you know, with that said, I was just able to again take over and learn that customer service experience I had and you know, kind of empathize with, with that pet sitter and make her understand why it happened the way it was. Right. And, and, uh, you know, she, she turned around and, and she did came back and work and, and we always had the revolving door with, with our company. We uh, I can't force a pet sitter to stay if they're not happy. Um, some of them would have some personal issues here and there. I asked them to to take their break and you know i've had some pet sitters that came back after 
a year or six months, you know, and mm-hmm. I always tell them that I always have a rule of thumb that, you know, you, you come when you're ready, you go when you're not ready. I, I, I've learned in this pet sitting world that you're going to learn to say no now, then sorry later. Mm. Um, if that kind of makes sense, it, especially during the holidays, Colin, yeah. people would call you on the 23rd to take care of their pets on the 24th. Like, really? Is that going to work? You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's better to say no now than try to squeeze them in your schedule and then you sacrifice the quality and then you say sorry later. No, I, yeah. I'd rather say that. I'd rather have that very, very hard no than a very hard sorry later. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, it's just you talk about boundaries and the importance of saying no in your business. And, and yeah, like your business is your business. You need to run it the way you need to run it. And one of the biggest tools that we have in our two belts to do that is the power of saying no to things that we don't want to be doing or aren't in alignment with where we want the company to go. And it's, it can be, it's really scary to say no though, right? It's because it's, oh, I may lose that business or I may upset them because I'm not able to serve them today or whatever reasons we can put in our brains. But at the end of the day, as you, as you so eloquently put it there, if you know, you are trying to avoid the sorry or the apology or that long two hour phone call or this back end work that's going to make it worse for you and make a worse experience for somebody. Then if you just stick to your rules, stick to your policies, stick to the direction you're trying to go and go with that. Correct. Absolutely. Totally agree. hundred percent. So you're coming into the business and you're getting to know people. You're getting connected with clients. You're learning the ins and outs from what were some of the changes that you were really looking to make? And, and I guess the second half of that question is, is how did you go about getting those implemented? So focusing on the business itself, the first six months, I let it ride. I let the business run as if Becky still owned the company. I didn't change anything. Um, and then I started seeing some of, of the things that was working and not working. A lot of it that wasn't really working for me was the marketing side of it. Um, a lot of my background in in the BPO was... Uh, adopting to what works. Like, for example, print ads. There was a lot of costs in print ads, but no business are coming in. So, I mean, it would have been maybe working back in the days uh, for Becky. And again, no disrespect. It was just something that I thought has to be evolving through time. So I started changing the prints to online advertising. So, um, I focus on social media. I focus on Google pay-per-click. Um, I really have to tell you, though, that it it really helped a lot knowing that you have that brand name out there for many, many years. Right. It got, it got to a point that that name itself sell itself. So one of the things that I did not touch nor plan to change ever was to change that brand name. In fact, when I did the first year, was improve the website. And I have hired somebody to redo, revamp the entire website. And that's when the new owner came in kind of place. They kind of like, oh, you're the new owner. I could tell because the websites are different and it looks different and feels different. But to be (laughs) honest with you, it's the same name, just different website, make it really look newer 
mm-hmm. make it more modern and uh, more techy, I guess. Um, and I guess that's what social media is everly evolving, you know. Um, and that's kind of where I got Yelp, guys. I don't know if you love Yelp, but we're not restaurants, but Yelp was a love hate relationship for me. We've spent a lot of money with them, and they don't really give true reviews their algorithm is so screwed up so i took yelp out of the picture uh i took a lot of the other stuff that that wasn't really helping a lot Mm -hmm. so um i focused i focused on just the marketing side that works and for me just to shout out what works for me was revamping the website driving more traffic to the website um constantly engaging with your with your leads meaning your customers even if they haven't booked with you yet you know uh, we send out weekly newsletters to our customers Uh, we don't just sell 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 we we engage meaning we try to uh, have different content on our newsletters every week Um, you know it has to be more of a 70 30 rule i guess where 70 percent has to be non-related to your business and 30 percent is your business same with your posting with your social media you don't want to keep posting sell 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 nobody wants to follow that uh you gotta you gotta know your 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 viewers your customers your listeners uh, for you and and being able to provide valuable content for them so that's kind of what I change. I tried to do uh, some of the face-to-face, which I didn't get really more success. I, I tried to do some face-to-face um, networking, you know. Um, and again, I just kind of stepped back with that because I just let the brand name and I just let let the pet sitters do their work. And that, that kind of worked uh, uh, really good for me, Colin. You know, you started off by talking about letting the business run for six months because that kind of gets connected back to that. You have all of the operating procedures for the business. You've got all the contracts. You've got all of the training manuals, all of this book, all of these books to see that in operation before you start making these subtle changes and really putting in the effort and putting in your, where your gifts and your talents are just see it as it was. Like I can, I can really see how that would be so important in this transition before you start ripping out the guts of something that you don't understand how it works and don't understand how all these pieces fit together to go, okay, let's just watch it in operation. And then we'll make these slow, gradual changes and, and put my, my effort behind the things that I, I see where they need to be going. Because if you don't, like you, you may miss the whole point of you know, the business and its operation and not fully understand exactly what you're changing or why it was there in the first place. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. That is correct. So, you know, you, you mentioned you moved to, to the northern, northern Florida, and you're brand new to the pet industry and brand new to the area. D- did you reach out to local pet sitters in that area and start talking with them about their businesses and how they operate? Ah, yes, I did. And I'll be honest with you, some of them call me nuts. I got some interesting phone calls sometimes. It's like, I know who you are. Like, why did you move in town? I was like, so, but no, that's not, that's plainly not my intention. I guess some, but not all. But you know what? There's a lot of great people in the pet sitting 
industry. I, I, you've interviewed one of my peers, Dog of Bad to the Bone. That was a great interview, great segment in your in your podcast. Uh, I listened, and that's how I knew about you. Oh. Um, uh, just like him, I called him up, sat down with him, have coffee. And I didn't stop there. I, I think I contacted maybe four or five people that are already doing what we're doing. And, and for me, it was more of letting everybody know that who I am, same with my pet sitters and what I am. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to dominate the world. I'm not here to command and conquer. I'm here to collaborate. I'm here to learn. I'm here to know that, hey, I'm the new guy but I'm willing to work with you and learn with you. And I'm willing to share best practices because that's the only way that we all can succeed. You know, we can't, we can't just step on each other's toes. And a lot of times I remind everybody when I tell them that there is more pets out there than pet sitters and pet professionals. Right. Plenty for us to share. In fact, in fact, there is not enough pet sitters out there. Mm. So, you know, for me to collaborate with other pet companies, you know what? What I always believe that whatever, whatever you give, if you give it with your heart, it always comes back tenfolds. Mm. And I'm already, I'm already been a recipient of that last year. All these smaller companies that I collaborated with during the holidays, they don't have enough to cover. So they would come back and call or refer people to us. And the same token, if they're not busy during the summer, we give back and always refer people to them because we're so busy. Mm. You know, it's, it's, and I've learned that through time that, that you have to collaborate and learn from each other instead of trying to compete with each other. Right. Well, then there's that other aspect, too, of like, as we're all learning and growing in our knowledge and understanding of the business, of client interactions, of new practices and things that we're trying to do, when we share that with other people, that makes everybody better and the industry gets better as a whole. And we all want to see that. We all want to see everybody operating with the best knowledge, with the best experience, with the best tools and resources available to them so that as the industry, all the boats can rise. And we can be yeah. better for it. You know, the happiest that I could ever share with you, Colin, is when when I took over the business, I guess the, the gauge of success that I've had. And, and I told my wife, you were right. We, we moved to North Florida, moved to a new house, new community. My kids had to go to school. My wife had to get a new job. I personally had to make this giant transition from, from the corporate world to walking on your gym clothes and pick up dog poop right major difference from weighing your from from being the coat and tie to your shorts and your running shoes and picking up dog poop totally different scenario there but what i'm trying to say is that we totally transitioned from that but we've learned a lot from that and and i think my point is looking back when i when i was recognized i wouldn't say correct me not I, we were recognized as the bold city best of Jacksonville three years in a row this year. We won the best pet sitting. Mm-hmm. And for you to be part of that recognition where they try to recognize every professional in the city and 
pet. It's nice to see. What I'm trying to say is it's nice to see that we're, I'm not trying to, to make a personal recognition, but as all of us as pet sitters being recognized as quote unquote profession, right? that we are no longer just the hobby. We're not just the gig, you know, we are now being recognized as one of the professionals. Right. So when they set up a category that best pet sitting company, and we've won that three years in a row ever since I've owned it. For me, looking back and I tell my wife, I did something right. And mm. I made the best decision in my life to jump into this industry. And, and for me, I wanted to share that with everyone because, you know, it's sometimes, oh, pet sitter? Is that a job? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure you you understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it absolutely. And and I guess you know to see yourself as this as part of this broader picture, this broader movement to legitimize the industry and the job as what it is. As you know, everyone in in the industry recognizes it as legitimate and as worthwhile and as a productive and and amazing place to be. But there is still that little bit of education for recognition yeah. and for t- to be seen as legitimate in operation and and when we share and when we all improve that moves the industry forward when we're working together and viewing each other as community versus competition totally totally agree and that was my main motivation and on on when you just asked me why i was reaching out to others that was it it was just a cure of a movement that we are in this together because we want to educate people in our communities that we do exist that we are the professionals we're not we're not hobby people we're not doing this as a side gig or a side income or a hobby We, we we were true professionals that learned and trained and a lot of risk that we get involved in doing this you know and and people say well i'll I'll hire somebody there for free but you know that free person is not going to be as trusted and as reliable as you are and and when knock on wood here comes the vet bills because that free service is not as licensed and insured as you are are you going to be able to really ask them to take care and cover for that cost absolutely not Pet Perennials makes it easy as one, two, three to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct client gift service that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches our client or employee. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They'll be releasing an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards throughout 2021 that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get well wishes, and to welcome new and even rescued pets. They also have a few gift options in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client. If you're interested, register for a free account to receive discounted package pricing rather than pay consumer prices. Since the service is leveraged on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchase. Learn more and register using the link petperennials.com slash pages slash GPS. Enter the referral code PSC at registration. You'll then be given a unique coupon code to save $2 off any packages you would send in your first 90 days. I asked this question to Becky, and so I'm really interested to hear your take on it. What, what makes for a smooth transition from one business owner to another? You've touched on a few of them, and, but, but how, in your eyes, 
what makes that transition from a business, one business owner to another as smooth and as easy as possible? Let me, let me answer that by going back to what I said earlier on the show. When I said that when I met Becky, her whys in selling the business in line to my whys in buying the business, that was very important. Six months down the road, when I owned this business, I found another pet sitting company that was for sale in South Florida, just right around the corner where we used to live, right? And out of curiosity, I, I started inquiring and this and that. And I went back and asked Becky, hey, Becky, do you know this company? Because they use the same software as we are, which is the PSP, the pet sitting professional software. And yeah, I know them. And in fact, they were the first people who, who was planning to buy my business. We were talking about, about it, but something that came, didn't turn out. It, was, it wasn't meant to be. Let's put it that way. So going back to that scenario, again, to answer your question, the smooth transition was between Becky and I was, it was, it was, it was really in line with why she wanted to sell the business and why I wanted the business. I would have buy any businesses right now, Colin, to be honest with you. Mm. I've, I have looked at other businesses recently, like last year, I was planning to buy a pet salon that are offering grooming service and boarding. But something did not connect. The why wasn't there. So I feel like if the why of the seller is deep enough for you to kind of dig in and dig deep, I feel like you're going to carry a lot of load in your shoulder to kind of pull that back, Hmm. you know, I'm trying to say. So I think that's very, very important to have a smooth transition. It's like, it's, it's like a matchmaking, you know, it it just, it, it's not just all about the money. It's not just monetary transaction because Becky could have sold that business to that other company and six months down the road, Becky would have probably seen her company being on sale too. Right. So, so that, that kind of what I can say is, is really just in line your wise. Well, and I think that's an aspect that many might not think about or consider is that they may only think about, okay, well, how do you buy a business? Well, you have the money to buy the business or you, you have all of the right. operating procedures lined out and that's how you buy a business. But what you're really discussing here is that there, there is this alignment of connections and alignment of whys and that when those are off, as in anything in life, when your whys are off from what you're trying to get to, um, it gets really messy right? It gets messy Correct. because communication breaks down. It's You're not working in the same goals. You may be working against each other. And to really take that time to get to know the seller, to understand what they're doing, why they're doing their motivations, and see if that fits you because that speaks to how they ran the business. That speaks to how they have things set up. It's really, it's really a little bit different of a connection than just going, well, all the numbers line up and everything checks out. So we're good to go. It's it's it. You're, right. What you're saying here is that there's one more step that you need to do here is to make sure you have that kind of connection. Absolutely, you're right. And 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 to seal the deal, when I was w- in this conference room meeting with Becky and Mike, her husband, it's I, I I could I could not forget about this. To seal the deal, I asked them one question before we stood up and, and adjourned. So I asked them, "So what do you guys think? I have what it takes to own your business." <laughs> 
it's like going through an interview, but I, I, I had to ask them because, yeah, you know, you got to know it from the seller. She has been running this business for 16 years. Yeah. I got to go to that interview as a new owner because Mm. it doesn't do justice for me to take over her company and know that I'm going to run it to the ground. Wow. I have sold businesses in the past, Colin. And that was, that was the problem. The people might have the money. They might have, they might have the money at debt, but you know, they run that business to the ground because they weren't really meant to run that business. So as a seller, I guess if, if you really want to consider that, what really is what you want to see on the business that you worked so hard for. So for me, that was it. I, I had to ask both of them and say, hey, did I pass? Do you think I can do it? You know, and I got to hear it from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she said, yes, obviously, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. I think I passed <laughs> so yeah, I think far. So. I, think so. I think so, absolutely. And, you know, it is, yeah. it is part of that, especially coming into a new industry, whole cloth needing some some validation in what you were thinking what you were thinking how you were interpreting things whether you understood it uh, appropriately and then to have somebody with 16 years of experience go yeah you're going you've got this you're going to be fine like i can see how that would really impact you you jp going yeah like okay like i'm on the right path this is where i need to be going and and really puts you off on a really good footing correct correct totally so, if anyone is is listening to this and they're thinking about buying a business, what kind of advice would you give give to them? I think the first advice is research, tons of research. Um, you know, uh, you cannot make any decision out of emotion. And can I be honest with you? That's where I was. I was very, I was again. As I mentioned earlier, my decision was quite unique. I was, my back was pushed against the wall. When you're very emotional, you tend to make the wrong decisions in life. You tend to be a little bit more emotional or, or impulsive. And you, you make decisions that you may regret later down the road. Right. But a lot of it has to come with a lot of research, a lot of research a lot of prayers you got to pray because you can't just you can't just lean on your own understanding when you do this research a lot of them they may not make sense to you but you know also know that when you're buying a business you got to go back to why am i buying this business do i have do i have a long term goal or a short term goal uh, do I want this as a passive income or does this would be a replacement of an income? Mm. So going back to those two options, I would say most of the businesses that are for sale out there or you want to buy, don't expect them to replace your income from the get-go. Because if so, don't buy a business. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't just say, okay, I buy it and now I'm making money next month. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. There's a reason why that business is for sale. And most of the time they're for sale, it's because they need some revamping to do, rework to be done. Um, and then look at the numbers. Don't, don't buy... Don't, don't, it's like buying a house. I guess my rule of thumb is find your, try to get the EBITDA or the profit margin that they have and 
try to multiply that by two. And I would say that would be your maximum, you know, price point as far as how you might want to buy that business. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, if it's a short-term goal or a long-term goal, um, if you think that this income could be a great passive income or a replacement of income for me, it has to be a little bit of both. My bash, my back was against the wall. It has to be my only income and my passive income at the same time. I built it to be more of a replacement of income, but I know that there's when you grow this, there's residual income in this that it will eventually be a passive. And if you guys are wanting to get into this business, I again research, mm. research, and research. You can't, you can't just. It's it's not a perfect industry, but it is such a great industry to be in. If if anything, I would encourage somebody to do it, but do it with the right right knowledge behind you. Don't just do it and and, and you think that you could just get manuals and do it yourself. No, you gotta get you gotta get that education behind you, and and if you get it right on, it's just a very worthy industry to be in. So you. JP, you've been in the industry for several years now, and you've done all this research. You've grown the the company by leaps and bounds. At, at right now, is is it is it what you thought it would be? And then a follow up question to that is is what what are your plans for for the future and moving forward? I I I think one of the research criteria that I wanted when I wanted to buy a business was to buy a recession proof business. And that was a mm. that was the first part. And I thought that being a pet industry, everybody that sells a pet industry business tells you, oh, it's a recession-proof business. Um, but it's not a pandemic-proof business. So uh, but <laughs> right. nobody, but nobody, nobody would have thought about thinking of a pandemic. I mean, who would, right? Right. Um, but I mean, I guess looking back, I think in 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 to several years in business, I would not change a single thing. I think I think the pet industry is such a great industry to be in. Um, beyond blessed to be in this business at the right time. Um, I think it's a booming industry, um, as as you can tell. Um, every household has pets. If they don't have one walking outside, they would have a litter box inside. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, I would think that I would really one thing that I developed pre pandemic calling that I would like to share to everyone is that when I bought the business, I was a lot of the bulk of the business was the Monday to Friday recurring midday dog walks. I kind of anticipated that if we wanted to grow, I want to tap into the vacation pet sitting. Mm. So it was more of like a 75% of our clients were the Monday to Friday recurring people. That was the building that Becky had. Great job building up. But that was the one that we've lost during the pandemic, right? We've lost a lot of the Monday to Friday recurring business. Lucky enough, in the last couple of years, we started uh, another kind of more of niche, which what we call the private boarding. So we can never be toe to toe with the big uh, kennel facilities out there. They've spent millions of dollars to build such great facilities. 
but know in mind that not every pet are fit to be in a kennel facility like theirs. You're going to have puppies that are not fully vaccinated, or you're going to have hospice care that are not meant to be surrounded with that many dogs. So we try to we try to add the private boarding, and that's what saved us through the pandemic. Is that we've had people nowadays that would go staycation, maybe go drive somewhere near and have a, a wordy break. And, you know, we had that weekend off and we take them during the weekend. That that kind of that kind of helped us a lot and grew. And in 2020, we won the best private boarding company, pet boarding company in Jacksonville, which until this day, I still don't know uh, how we won that because we were. <laughs> We were, we were up against this giant tycoons, you know, the big, the big companies out there. But again, going back, it's all about the quality of service, not the quantity of service that you provide. Mm. So yeah, I I would say my direction would be hopefully um, to grow more of the private boarding side. I think that's kind of more of where the market is right now. They wanted to, I think Rover is, is, I think, one of the things that, that I would add on before we, we adjourn is that yeah. when I bought the business, Colin, is you have to study your your you have to study your market and your competition. I think the biggest competition we all have as pet sitting companies are is Rover, right? So I told myself, well, if Rover will gonna dominate, how are we gonna survive the business? Yeah. One thing that I, I realized that Rover is good in private boarding because people would just go to their website and where do you live? I'm going to drop my dog where you live. I know where you live. Yeah, That's easy. But Rover will never, ever going to be dominate what we specialize in, which is in-home pet care, where we go to people's houses and they know that they're hiring a legitimate company versus somebody in a website that claims to be a pet sitter we're going to dominate the in-home pet care because we're trusted we're reliable and they know that we are a full-blown legitimate company that could go and take care of their pets not just their pets but their house yeah i mean just a a lot you know to to focus on and and to remind ourselves of the services that we provide and, and how we provide them you know it is it is about quality of care, not quantity, and everything that we do as as business owners, and so it's a really good reminder, especially moving forward as we look how to how to place our businesses in growing through 2021. That when we focus on quality, when we focus on the relationships of with our clients, with our employees, if we have them, putting those first and foremost in everything that we do as a business, know that that is that that translates into a business growing and a business doing well. Correct. Absolutely. I think that's a big reminder for me as a start of the year is I want to go back where I was when I bought the business four years ago. Mm. And I want to start from scratch. Honestly, Colin, I want to start calling my pet sitters again, just checking up on them. Are, are you still happy or are we still on in line with the direction of the company? And I'm going to start calling customers randomly and checking up on them. I think that's that's the best thing that we can do right now versus worrying about this whole 
pandemic that's really just causing a lot of anxiety to a lot of people. JP, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation and getting to hear your story and the success that you've seen over the years. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and our listeners. If people have questions and want to get connected and reach out and, and, and tag along with everything that you've got going on, how can they do that? Yeah, well, yes, we have a website. It's www.dogdayscatnaps.com. Um, we also have that same Facebook, uh, dogdayscatnaps.com. Um, you could contact us or follow us through there. Um, my email is admin at dogdayscatnaps.com. Feel free if you have any questions at all. Um, you know, happy to help out. And, and, you know, hopefully this, this segment, Colin, I appreciate you. There's so much great questions you have and, you know, there's so much good things that we could share to our listeners. So I, I appreciate you and thank you, sir. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm happy to have you back on to talk more about business operations and your plan for growth and, and, and all of that too, because there's so much more to share. So hopefully be able to have you back on the program sooner rather than later. Uh, JP, again, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. Such an honor. Inspired is not a strong enough word to describe my feelings after interviewing JP. His determination and his goals that he had for his family drove everything that he needed to to decide to end up buying a pet care business. He looked around the landscape of businesses that he could buy, and he saw something that fit his passion, fit all of his goals, all of his objectives. And then he didn't step aside. He dove right in. And that's my one of my favorite parts about talking to JP is he didn't just buy a business and then step aside. He dove in and learned the business, learned the hard work, learned what his staff was actually doing, and then did everything he could to make it better, to grow it, to expand from there. And I think that is by far and away my biggest takeaway from talking with JP, that when we go to make changes, when we go to grow and expand, we have to be equipped with functional knowledge in how things operate and how things work. We can't just speculate about how something is doing or what it's supposed to do. We have to know it inside and out so that we can make the best and the most informed decisions possible that are going to actually make good, strong, real-world results. And I absolutely love that about JP. We want to thank our sponsors this week, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials, for making it possible to bring this episode to you. And we want to thank you for listening And we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if there are other topics that you would like to have covered or people that you would want interviewed on the podcast, including yourself, please reach out to us at feedback at PetsitterConfessional.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to help share your story. Have a wonderful weekend and we will be back again soon.